0: hey everyone it's dan here from we talk sense a podcast produced by we money and today we're joined by a very special guest yushko from kit yushko has got a tremendous background in financial services going through insurance management consulting and now more recently banking with the advent of a new product called kit and kits real desire is to help children better manage their finances so they grow up as thriving young adults into other stages in life and it all starts when we're quite young So Yish and I go through some tremendously awesome topics around behavioral psychology and how that affects the way that we manage our money. I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I did. Now, to the show. Yish, welcome to We Talk Sense.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Dan.
0: It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Yish, there is a massive financial wellness crisis in Australia now, being part of a big organisation like the Commonwealth Bank and all the important stuff that you're doing with KIT, what have you seen out there that is really illustrative of the current situation that we're currently in?
1: Well, in Australia, given that the rising cost of living and rising interest rates is something that's really on people's mind, there was a recent study that just came out this month, actually, from Beyond Blue that said that this is now the number one cause of anxiety of Australians Um And when you look at the experience of Australians, um, the ABS did a study um, in 2020 and showed that 38% of Australians have experienced some kind of financial hardship. Um, So that means, you know, they might've gone without meals or they had to pawn their possessions or couldn't pay their bills on time, for example. I mean, in the Commonwealth Bank more broadly, um, there's definitely been, um, throughout the COVID period, ironically some of the studies show a slight increase in financial well-being but now that we're coming on the other side of the pandemic and interest rates are rising um you know financial well-being's got two components you've got the what you see in terms of what your money but also what people are feeling and i think what people are feeling now um is definitely less financial well-being because there's that anxiety about the future
0: Mm, most definitely most definitely and you should, we've covered our behavioral science topics before the show, but if we can go just a little bit deeper and talk about some of the root causes here of people that end up graduating from high school, getting their first job, buying their first home, starting a family, all those life events come with big financial decisions that we need to make. But financial literacy actually doesn't start when you graduate from high school. It starts much earlier. What are some of the research that you've uncovered into the factors that go into our relationship with money in those formative years?
1: And I think this is a really interesting question because um, we surveyed parents earlier this year um, and 61% of parents think that the most effective way to teach children about money is through standardised lessons at school. But what's really interesting from the research is that when you look at this, three kind of components to becoming financially capable so yes there is something around financial knowledge of like concepts and products or numeracy being good at maths which we kind of call that financial literacy behaviour but what's also important is what we call um, experience so kids building financial habits and behaviour through getting hands-on experience with money it doesn't have to be you know when you get your first job it can be actually be way before that for example, when um, you're what we call financial socialization. So when parents are um, going to the supermarket with their kids and they talk about, you know, why do you buy one product over another? You know, you're watching um, a show and you're seeing an advertisement and, the, you know, you're talking about what are the um, influences that advertisers are um, are using to try and get you to buy more stuff. Um, this financial socialization, that's a really key driver of kids' financial capability. And then the last one um, is confidence and attitude. So Um, you know, feeling that you can be good at money. Um, I think this is a lot where a lot of people fall down. This is not something that schools can teach you. This is something that parents have to role model for their kids. And, you know, what the parents own financial capability tends to kind of be inherited by kids as well. So, um, you know, if your parents are avoiding talking to you about money, you know, that's actually a terrible thing. Because, you know, you're assuming that something's going to fill the gap. And, you know, unfortunately, we know that if you're not taught about these things, you know, either at school or from your parents, that you then tend to go into the you get your first job, and then you make all of these mistakes and learn things the hard way. So, you know, I think the key message from um, all of this is, you should be starting um, as young as possible. um, And don't just Think about it as something that you just kind of lead to schools, and yeah, that's the government's problem because it absolutely is from the way that you talk about money, role model, you know, good um, your own good financial behaviours and positive attitudes. Something that um, you translate down to your kids.
0: Hmm, very interesting. This sort of topic of hereditary financial habits that could always start at the home at a very very young formative age, and it reminds me of that study ish. From Cambridge University, which found that financial habits are formed typically by the age of seven years old when kids have to make these very interesting decisions around delayed gratification. They want something, they need to make key money decisions and understand certain trade offs. And so it's a real stark lesson. There's a lot of people on the show that have got kids or plan to have kids at some point in their lives. So it seems to what the research says is that it starts incredibly young. What are some tips that you think parents could look at in terms of helping their kids get a better grasp of money at a young and formative age?
1: So you should be talking to your kids about money pretty much as soon as they can start to understand the concept of money. So as in money represents something of value and that you use money to buy things. So that's usually around the age of about four. So um, one of the First concepts that you should be teaching is money doesn't come for free, <laughs> so that you work um, to get money. Um, so having that conversation, if you're ever at an ATM, for example, and saying, "No, it's not just a money that um, money machine that you just go and you press buttons and like notes come out and you can buy whatever you want." Actually, you know. I've worked for this money um, and that's how I'm able to get the money out. Um, So working for money. The second one is around distinguishing between needs and wants. So this is probably around the age of like six to eight that parents start to have this conversation, but understanding that you always need to cover things. You should speed to your needs or wait for your wants. So heuristics are really helpful um, here because they're very memorable for kids. You probably um, might have covered that on a previous podcast. So, you know, money doesn't grow on trees is a really great one. Um, yeah, speed, uh, speed to your needs or wait for your wants. So speed to your needs, things like, you know, if you need to eat, go to the supermarket, pay your electricity bills, these are needs. Wants are things like lollies, so you don't always <laughs> have your wants. Sometimes it's good to wait for your wants and it feels even better. Um, the other thing that also helps for delayed gratification, it's interesting you mentioned this, the marshmallow study, um, yes. that actually one of the key predictors of, Um, whether or not kids can um, actually delay their gratification is the ability for them to rely on their caregivers so you know if you have the marshmallow and you're saying yes wait for five minutes and there might be two marshmallows but if you know that your parents have promised you something and then you didn't deliver um, they actually are not really feeling that you're reliable so they're actually more likely to take the thing straight away rather than wait because they're like well I'm not really sure that that's actually going to happen so you know for parents it's If you're saying, no, don't have it now, but you can have it later, um, make sure that you follow through on those things because what you're teaching your kids is that you've waited for something and then you've got a reward for it. And the more you can kind of encourage them to do that, the more that builds that kind of delayed gratification muscle.
0: Well, I know my sample size is very small-ish, but I've got a sample size at N equals 1, my own son, which I've learned is very painful lessons of delayed gratification. It's much (laughs) easier and simple for parents to give them what they want in order to maybe delay them complaining or crying or, you know, getting into mischief. But these important lessons that are learnt at very young behaviours can have some very positive consequences. And look, as as we go from, say, that early childhood, now thinking about getting into primary school and high school, what are some of the things that have happened in Australia in terms of financial education that we have seen? Maybe talk to us about the things that you've seen that haven't been so successful and some of the new initiatives that are coming online they're actually promising that could lead to this more behavioural science-led approach to helping our kids accelerate better financial habits into the young adult years of beyond.
1: So, you know, in the recent years, we know that financial capability in schools has been lacking um, quite a bit. And, you know, the updating of the Australian curriculum means that um, there is more being done and there are some organisations out there trying to do um in-school programs but when you think about the fact that it's experience with money and you know behavioral science um, is all about how do you nudge people to positive behaviors um, you know things that are contextual and experiential so um, the use of digital tools such as um, kit for example is all about how do you give kids that autonomy to make their own money decisions but in a controlled way, because what you want to do is allow them to make mistakes and learn those lessons themselves. Because, you know, it's really challenging for parents to say, no, you can't have that new toy. And, you know, then you have the tantrum. But actually, if you turn it around and you give your kid, you know, pocket money, you say you are now responsible for buying your own toys. And it's up to you. You're not only empowering them, but it's really funny to see how quickly that turns around when they say, actually, I'm not going to spend my own money on that thing. And they make that decision themselves and they learn. And much better that kids mm. spend all their money and make that and learn that lesson early and it's $20 rather than down the track it's $2,000 on a credit card and then you learn that it's not a very good idea. So, mm. Mm. yeah, digital, I think the rise of digital and the fact that we're going to a cash society means that it is much easier for us to now be able to intervene in a contextual way to actually nudge towards positive behaviour
0: hmm it's really fascinating because uh look I'll, I'll only age myself here usually on the show but i just remember when i was in school we had no concepts of these digital tools we had pretty trite programs people used to come in and tell us about these money games but i think as a study show kids attend these sessions for about 45 minutes to an hour and then after that they've completely forgotten about all those money lessons but the paid tradition in the environment that our kids are in at the moment now my kids aren't i am not have a mobile phone yet, but I just know what other 13, 14, 15-year-olds are going through right now, probably experiencing having a mobile phone for the very first time, you know, maybe some interactions in, you know, social media and things like that. And that medium is kind of lending itself to some adaptations or environments that the kids are already in. But instead of all those negative connotations with maybe all the bad stuff that can come with mobile phone ownership, there is this pathway to produce these better habits. With the devices they're currently using, they're using some of those same concepts, and dare I call it, an ethical gamification, where they're aligning some of these money principles in a way that provides instant feedback. And I think this is a great segue into what you're doing here at KIT. Well, a brief interruption to let you know about the producer of this podcast, WeMoney. What is WeMoney? WeMoney is a social financial wellness platform that allows you to see your finances together all in one place. You can connect your transaction accounts, credit cards, superannuation providers to get that full 360 degree view of your money all in one place. You can track and monitor your credit score over time and get hints and tips on how you can improve your score to get access to cheaper forms of credit either right now or also in the future. And the We in We Money is this passionate community of individual creators that share money hints and tips directly on the We Money platform so you can do things like improve your income by learning more about side hustles, learn how to do meal prep so you can cut your expenses, and plenty of other topics to cover off on the WeMoney community feed. You can download WeMoney for free by heading to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and searching WeMoney, Money, or there's a link to a description below on how you can download We Money for free today. Okay, now back to the show. It really is kind of the most underserved part of the market. I remember growing up, turning 16 years old, going into ANZ bank with my mum, and opening up my first bank account. I had that bank account for about 14 years after the same BSB account that before that period of time. You know, I was given a fancy, glossy PDF about all my fees and how the account was structured, but nobody really told me about money. But that is changing. So I'd like Yish to learn more about together with our audience about this pathway and journey that Kit has been on in order to address some of these issues that we found ourselves in younger generations and their experience with money management.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly sort of the problem space that we started looking at when we uh, decided to create KIT. So we realised that when we, we looked out in the market, there was nothing really that felt like it was for young people to really teach young people about financial capability. We actually did research on um, in terms of kids motivation and, you know, quite a large, or actually the majority of kids are actually really interested in learning about money because they know that um, that is a pathway to achieving what they want in life, even though, you know, money isn't necessarily everything, but then you've also got parents who are incredibly busy and it's never one of Mm. those things that are like top of the priority list of parents. So we thought, how could we teach kids about money in a way that would be really simple for parents, but, um, also have an experience for kids that really felt like it was for them and something that could speak to them in their own language. Um, So that's where Kit came about. Um, When I talked before about experience and getting hands-on experience with money, that's what the app does. So there's a prepaid card and an account, like with a BSB and account number um, where parents can link their bank account to then pay pocket money. And you can, link that to chores. So somewhat like a job, you can say you can get your pocket money this week, but there's these kinds of things that you have to do um, to earn that pocket money. And then you can also set up additional tasks. So, you know, if you do this, wash the car, for example, then I'll give you a certain amount of money. So it's giving kids the opportunity to understand that uh, earning money is linked to doing work. And so they can really understand Mm. the value of work. And then with that um, money, they can then save it in what we call saving stacks. And um, you might like the behavioural scientist um, inside you, but we have little nudges there. So when a kid's like filled up their um, their goal and they're halfway to the goal, Kit, the little black character, bounces up and says, "Hey, you're a great saver. Do you want to know something that'll make um, you you know even more committed to achieving this goal?" Um, one of them is about like in- envisaging the world when it's um, what it's going to be like when you've achieved your goal. So you know you might be saving for. A PlayStation game—it's like you're imagining yourself playing the PlayStation game, and you know how does that make you feel? So yeah, you know, this is like the kind of contextual stuff that helps motivate them to um, stick with and then achieve their goals. And then we've got the spend part. So there's a prepaid card that's associated with Kit, and it comes with parental controls. So mm-hmm. um, all of the sort of adult-type expenses—they're kind of. Programmatically blocked from the cards, so things like gambling and things like that, that you can't spend on those kind of alcohol liquor, those kinds of purchases. But also, parents have the ability to set a daily spend limit and also block individual merchants. So you know, if there's um, one too many spends on, say, the Apple Store, and the parent wants to block the parent can specifically go and, and block that merchant. So we really want it for parents to feel that they've got enough peace of mind and there's enough security around it that they can then let their kids make their own decisions about spending. Um, and then we've got Kit. So um, Kit's got lots of little stories. We're only really at the beginning of this journey in terms of where Kit could go, um, but Kit will tell you stories and sort of fun bite-sized pieces. Like, you know, why is it that you should save? Um, when they first activate the card Kit will tell you a story about, you know, Do you want to know about how this like rectangle works? You know, unfortunately, there isn't an unlimited source of money on this thing. So, you know, (laughs) one of those really important money lessons. But the vision for Kit is really about how do we as people are, um, as kids are earning, saving, spending their money, how do we actually teach them about money as they go? So it doesn't become sort of, you know, you sit down and do an exercise um, because that's something that's very boring um, and not something that's going to be engaging and motivating for kids.
0: Mm, amazing. I like that merchant block feature. I think Kmart and any toy stores will probably be on that list as my little one gets a bit older. But that's amazing. And, and how have parents found kids so far? Uh, Yish, talk, talk to us about the feedback that you're currently getting in market in terms of this new approach of addressing a specific need for this younger, younger demographic.
1: We've had um, pretty good feedback, actually, from both parents and kids. I think kids really love... Um, the idea of kids, sort of the character and teaching them about money, um, the customization in the app around stickers and um, the different colors that they can put um, towards their goals. Um, it's really interesting that um, you've got kids who are really motivated to earn money through chores because they're like, now I can see yeah. how I can get money and I can. Um, I feel motivated by that. But you also got kids who are like, I really don't like working. I feel like money should be great because. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they're early. learning that money lesson early, which is great. Um, and the feedback for parents has also been really great. So um, we're obviously still got lots of improvements and lots of suggestions that we get from our community, which is um, always great to be on that continuous improvement journey. But I think some of the things that parents have highlighted has been really useful is that um, I mentioned that kind of turnaround and kids really feeling ownership over um over the product and you know, about being motivated to read stories and learn about money. Um, so yeah, we've been really happy with how it's going. Lots more that we wanna do, um, lots more we can do, especially when it comes to experiential education.
0: Amazing-ish. Sounds like it's a great community initiative. You get lots of feedback from parents and I'm sure that's going to help on build an amazing product that Australia definitely needs for our youth. That is incredible. Now let's turn to some fun money hacks that we can teach our kids. What are the top five that come to mind, Ish?
1: I love that you call it hacks. I think some of the hacks that I love to give to parents are about making their lives easier while also teaching their kids. So um. I talked about the importance of giving your kids as many money experiences as possible. So for a younger kid, like maybe they're around the age of eight, nine, 10, get them to plan their own birthday party. Say, this is the budget I've got. Mm. You can have, you know, what, say it's $200. You plan out what are all the things you need to buy and go ahead and do it. So there you go, something easy for parents and the kids will be motivated too, cause they can, you know, design their own party. Um, for older, um, so when you get into teenagers, like 12, 13, You know, people are thinking about cost of living, how to save money. So you could ask your teenager, hey, if you find a cheaper electricity provider for me, I will split the savings in half with you. So there you go. Offload some of those, um, that um, mental load. Um, You could also um, get teenagers, for example, to think about... um, how to when they're getting a job if you're going to be charging them rental board so often mm-hmm. a lot of parents do this to encourage their kids to save so when you're in the real world and you have a job you need to pay your rent you need to pay things and some parents will put that away either they can contribute to the household situation or they can um put that money away for their kids as savings to really show them that you know you're not earning money it's not all about spending it all all, all the time so having that habit of putting something away um is important and then um, the final one is around uh, channeling their own interests. So a lot of kids, especially with online these days, if they're artsy and craftsy, we've actually had a, um, a customer of Kit who read a story um, on side hustles that we wrote. Um, they have like examples like a fidget spinner store or, um, or a lemonade stand and how you might do that. Um, she actually set up um, a business through eBay where she was selling bracelets. So that's a really great way to channel entrepreneurship for kids. Like follow their interests. What are they interested in? Hey, maybe they can turn it into a business and earn money through it.
0: Amazing, amazing. That's incredible. Well, there you have it, guys. Five awesome tips that your kids can learn about as they grow up and get better experience with money. Now, as we get towards into the, the show, yish. Uh, uh, how can people learn more about kids?
1: Uh, head across to our website. It's heykit.com.au.
0: Excellent. Short and sweet. And the final question, if you could go back in time and tell your younger self the most important money lesson, what would it be?
1: Ooh. It would be make sure that you stay on top of every single transaction that you're doing. So, you know, when you're young, you kind of have that piggy bank and, um, or you might have a bank account now um, and you end up buying and buying and buying things. But actually one of the great ways to stay on top of finance is just make sure that you check and you just know that every time you do something, you just make sure that it happens correctly. So um, particularly when you've got a digital tool, I think I might do this one again. This is a bit random. i not actually sure think the answer to this. Do you mind if we do this question? Yeah, fine,
0: totally fine. <laughs>
1: Okay, let's do
0: it. Do you want me to ask the question again?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, no worries. All right, now as we get to the end of the show, the final question, Yush, is if you could go back in time and tell your younger self the most important money lesson, what would it be?
1: So for me growing up, um, I grew up with very um, what you might call parents who like to control everything um, and so um, what was really important I never got pocket money or anything like that but being um, conscious of what you spend every time that it happens so this is a really good habit that you know you can get your kids into from as early as possible but just keeping track of your money actually helps a lot. So, you know, every time you spend, if you go into an app or something, you look at your um, transaction balance, um, that already is a really great building block to just be conscious of what's going on with your money.
0: Mm. So important in particular, because you don't know where things are going. You know, we spend money, we tap and go, everything's become so easy now, that it's very hard to do that mental arithmetic and budgeting to figure out how much we you know, actually spent. Such a good one, and I think some of the most important money principles for managing your money That is awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. Yish from Kit, thank you so much for joining We Talk Sense.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Dan. See you next time.